Hello, friends. Welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. So for my first ever conversation podcast, I wanted to talk with someone that I thought would be just the absolute best person that I could have a really genuine conversation with. So for my first ever on Text and Context podcast, conversation, rather than just my sermons and Bible classes and what have you, I had a conversation with Wesley Hargon. He'll introduce himself a little bit in the recording. He is a good friend of mine. I love Wesley so deeply. And I think you'll be blessed by the conversation. Conversation is about deconstruction, which is a really important topic right now that you may or may not be familiar with. But if you keep up with anything in the Christian world, you've probably heard some talk about deconstruction. It's a big topic of conversation. And Wesley has gone through some periods of deconstruction himself and has some beautiful, wonderful things to say. So you will be blessed. I am praying blessings over uh, whoever might hear this podcast. Uh, Be blessed. Hey, Wesley. Hey, Andrew. How's it going? It's going wonderful. How's it going for you? Going well. Really looking forward to talking with you. I am looking forward to talking with you. So for people who wouldn't know, tell us about Wesley Hargon. Well, um, I am a a youth minister in the Kingwood uh, area, which is North Houston. Uh, I am a married man. I've been married for almost two years. It'll be two years in May. Uh, I am a creator. I am a a student and a teacher. Um, I love talking. Uh, Recently, I love talking more. Uh, I love the Bible. I love uh, Christianity. I love... uh, wrestling with the text i love wrestling with ideas and uh i'm, I'm looking forward to doing some wrestling with you in, in this conversation so I, I think that's all that comes to mind when you when you ask me uh, who i am wonderful well hey that's a great description I, whenever you said wrestling i thought you were going to say like you were into like wwe <laughs> or like mma or something and i was thinking i did not know that about us uh, not quite no I, my I, mind. no okay wonderful <laughs> All right. Well, so our topic for this podcast, and this is my first ever like conversation podcast, mm. like traditional podcast sense. So, um, because if I was going to do a conversation podcast with anybody and I had to do a first one, I would want it to be with you. Aww. I think you have um, a really good way of saying things mm. that is relatable and honest. Mm. And I really appreciate that. So, for our first discussion, conversation, and I hope many more mm-hmm. after this, we're going to talk about deconstruction, okay? which is like a big buzzword mm-hmm. in the Christian world right now. Yeah, uh, I would say like we hear a lot about it right now. I mm-hmm. feel like every book in the Christian and religion in general section that's hitting the bestseller list, it has something to do with deconstruction. That's right. So, I mean, I think this is something people are hungry for, that they want to talk about. But I also think some people have some hesitance about it. So I think it would be helpful to define our terms 
or at least yeah. attempt to. So, mm -hmm. Wes, you've spent some time thinking about deconstruction, and I want to ask about your personal deconstruction journey at one point. But before that, what is deconstruction? How would you define it? Yeah, I would say it's a, a pulling apart of what you've been given. So uh, whether that's faith, whether that is uh, maybe a particular understanding or even the way of, of viewing the world. And it's just questioning that is um, breaking things down and really getting down to the, the foundation of why you believe what you believe or why you understand what you believe or understand why you view things the way you view things. Mm -hmm. And really, I think it's just uh, trying to look at it from a, maybe a scientific point of view and just breaking things down almost scientifically and trying to figure out what, what what is at the base of this what is at the root of this and um, how do we get here i think that's the question it's trying to answer mm. how did we get here mm. and what is the space you think a lot of especially young christians end up finding themselves in that makes them want to go through a period of deconstruction or forces them yeah i, I would say it's just maybe discontentment with how things are mm. they're Maybe they're going to church and they're experiencing some things that um, are not maybe congruent with what they see in scripture themselves or even what, they, what they've experienced in, in, in the real world, quote unquote. Yeah. So, so I think that, that makes them question, that makes, makes them go back to the drawing board and try to figure out, you know, what is this? What is this thing we call faith or, or however you want to um, um, describe it? Yeah. What is this thing we call faith? I like yeah. that. I, I think a lot of people are finding themselves. So, you know, you said they um, they hear things and it, it doesn't jive with their reading of scripture. Yeah. Or it forces them to reread scripture also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of issues like science is a big one. Uh-huh. So the the uh, at least perceived incompatibility of science and faith has been a big wrestling point. That's right. For, and I think a lot of people are raised in these really scared um, communities. And, and I think they're well-meaning. I really do. I don't want to like take a pot shot at some of these more, quote, traditional communities. But like, I think they're scared. And so they really dogmatically hammer in things like, oh, the Bible says evolution is wrong. Mm -hmm. Bible says evolution is not true. Has to be a six-day literal creation. And, you know, if someone wants to believe that, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't think that's the place to hang your hat either. Because mm -hmm. then you go to college. That's right. Mm -hmm. Have a biologist who's just trying to do their job, just trying to teach that class. And they're saying, yeah, no, like evolution is true. Here's some of the evidence. And then, oh, they're just trying to destroy our faith. No, I don't mm -hmm. think that. Actually. And so yeah. that forces them to deconstruct that idea that they were taught. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, um, hopefully, I think deconstruction leads to reconstruction. Yeah, yeah. Like, you say that's kind of the purpose of deconstruction. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would hope for too. Uh, I'm hoping that um, things are not abandoned. I, I think um, you're, you're trying to look at how we got here, but you don't want to leave. You know where you're at at the same time, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> whether that's church, whether that's the Bible. And I mean, that, that's the temptation you got to deal with, uh, or even faith itself. You got to deal with that temptation to just give up and just leave. Because, uh, mm. yeah, cause I, I think that there's beauty in the wrestling. 
Because mm. when I when I wrestle, that means I'm I'm struggling, and to to leave that struggle is is giving up. And um, I don't know if that's what we're called to. Yeah, mm. you know, I I don't think that aspect of this discussion is as frequent. Mm. You agree? Yeah, I I don't think we talk as much about the after deconstruction phase. Yeah, phase. there's there's usually a deconstruction sure. and there's usually a, a leaving, right? Yes, yeah, and a leaving. And I, I, I could see where in some certain scenarios there could potentially be, um, it, it could be courageous to leave for a time. Yeah. And then come back. But mm -hmm. there are other scenarios where I'm like, no, like we need to, as a church, engage this, this longing for deconstruction and show them that there's something on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um. So, okay, I have, I have this scheme, and I think I've talked to you about this before, um, and it's by Walter Brueggemann. Um, and he said, and it's specifically for the Psalms, but I have found personally, and I think it, it works for so many other things, and I think it relates to this discussion. So mm -hmm. I want to see what you think about this. He says in the Psalms, you're moving through three phases. The first one is orientation. Mm -hmm. The second one is disorientation. And the third one is reorientation. Mm -hmm. So orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Mm -hmm. That's good. That sounds like life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That sounds like life. You know, you have this understanding and that understanding fails you in some way. And maybe you gotta wrestle with that and then hopefully at the end of that wrestling, you've got a different understanding of that previous understanding. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Yet another aspect of the deconstruction discussion. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we don't talk enough about what comes after. Yeah, that's right. Talk about the fact that this is an ongoing process. Yeah. I think a lot of people talk as if it's a, I was in pre deconstruction, then I deconstructed, now I'm past that. And that's it. Mm. And I'm like, no, now that place that you're at is the new place that might in the future have to be deconstructed some. Mm, that's right. It doesn't stop. Ah. So like the, the reorientation now becomes orientation. Uh -huh. And you start back over. That's right. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's a process. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just like everything. Sure. And it has a, has a, a cycle to it. Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. So, so then would you say that, um, you know, deconstruction is kind of a buzzword. Maybe we could put other words to it. So would you, would you think that deconstruction, is it a new phenomenon? Uh, I would say no. <laughs> yeah. I, I think my, my gut says no. I would say maybe something like Martin Luther. Maybe he was a deconstructionist, hmm. <laughs> right? Or um, maybe you can say John Calvin. You know, maybe, maybe these were deconstructionists, quote unquote. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you should mention them. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Phyllis Tickle at all. Hmm. She, um, she's a feminist Bible scholar. She says hmm. that every, about every 500 years, give or take, Christianity has a rummage sale. Mm. 
where they go through the things that they, they, they go through the, the garage and they say, mm, this is kind of outdated. We don't really need this. And they say, no, no, we have to keep this. Let's go ahead and get rid of that. And, and mm. they rummage sale about every 500 years. So you have um, some controversies in the first few centuries around 500. You have mm-hmm. the great schism between orthodoxy and Catholicism. And uh-huh. you have the Reformation roughly in the 1500s. Mm-hmm. And then um, today, I think we're seeing some more rummage. Um, some more good. for our faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is like, we're maturing. Mm. Right? There's almost like there's, a, there's an evolution of the Christian thought. Dare I say that? <laughs> yeah, dare you, dare you use the e- <laughs> Yeah. Huh. Okay, so ex- explain that. Because I think a lot of people hear that and they get nervous. So yeah. they're, oh no. And not just because it's the E word, IT. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, faith can't evolve. I'm the same mm. yesterday, today, and forever, God says. Yeah, well, that's true. And I still agree with that. God is the same. Uh, it's, it's us. You know, we're changing. Mm. We're growing as a human species. Uh, on, on all other levels, we're growing. There's mm. technology that's here that was not here 500 years ago. <laughs> mm. You know, there's there's things that we know about the world that we did not know 500 years ago. So why would that not change? How how would that why would that not change with how we view our faith, or view the scriptures, yeah. or view God? Absolutely. I think all of this all of this is kind of progressing together, and it, it's it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely, yeah. I have so many questions running through my mind now. One of them is this, and if this is too personal, then we can just ignore it. But mm-hmm. can you give an example from your life where where you say you have evolved as a person? Mm. That is a beautiful thing that God has done in you. Mm. Well, man, lately, just all these last few months, uh, I've been more intentional with not identifying with my my thoughts and my beliefs and my ideas mm. and uh, just just my mind. Mm. I, I've been trying not to identify with my beliefs, my ideas, and my mind intentionally. Because I, I grew up in a, a church context where beliefs and your ideas and your convictions, that, that's who you were. Yes. Okay. That's what made you you. Yes. And so I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I've been trying to deconstruct that <laughs> and mm. say that, no, 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 I'm more than that. I'm more than that. Because when these things fail me, you know, who am I? And so I, I've been trying to uh, come to grips with who I truly am. <laughs> And realize that I, I'm not my mind. I'm not what I think. I'm not my belief. My beliefs are good. My mind is good. My ideas are good. But I also believe that my ideas and my, my mind and my, my thoughts can limit me mm. when I start to identify with them. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that is a common, that, that specific thing, identifying with your thoughts, being mm-hmm. overly, overly rational. Mm-hmm. I think that's a Church of Christ problem. Yeah, you? Absolutely. Yes. I, I, I think that has been a problem for us is that we have no heart so often. Um, it atrophies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not brains on a stick. That's right. Yeah. yeah we're, we're more. There's more to us than what we're thinking in our heads. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 
I think that is a great example, Wes. Thank you for sharing that because I think that gives people a, a better image of deconstruction when it's healthy mm. and it doesn't have to be threatening because I think for a lot of people, they hear the D word and it, it's just really threatening. Yeah. Do you think that the phrase, the word deconstruction might be threatening to some people? Because there, there's maybe there's not an understanding of what's going to happen on the other side. And, and mm. maybe there, there's a fear. Uh, there's a fear of losing control because when I have my beliefs and I have this this ideal of God uh, that I believe is right and true and um, there's certainty about that, to let go of that is is scary. Mm-hmm. And to even wrestle with that or even question that can be scary because I'm losing control. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, man, there's a beautiful thing in letting that control go and, and trusting. Mm-hmm. And trusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so hard. Because that, that's just not the way I was raised. Yeah. But like you were saying. Uh, there's a there's a book by Pete Enns. Uh, you like Peter Enns, don't you? I do. I sure do. He's got some good stuff out. But he, he has a book called The Sin of Certainty. Mm-hmm. Why God Wants Our Trust Rather Than Our Right Answers. Uh-huh. And I know you've read that book. I know we've talked several times. That Even just the title smacks me right in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think this deconstruction takes away certainty and we've built so much of our foundation on being 100% absolutely certain about everything. That's right. And, and we're not God. Yeah. And we're not God. Yeah. And have any footing. And then we're like wandering around and we're afraid we're going to completely lose faith altogether. Mm-hmm. But I almost wonder. I almost wonder, would you say it's more or less faithful to lose the certainty? More faithful. Yeah. To lose it. Yeah. You want to unpack that? Yeah. I mean, what does it mean to have faith? (laughs) No, what does it mean to trust? Man, trust is surrendering. Mm. And I want to surrender my mind, my heart my emotions, my body, I want to surrender all that I am mm. when I'm trying to trust in, in the Lord. Yes. Yeah, it reminds me of the Shema mm. in uh, the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mm-hmm. soul, mind, and strength. Mm. That is... That's the, the fullness of us. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Man. And th- th- man, that is, it, it's a, that's an ancient idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, go ahead. It, it's, it's, I just think it's so beautiful that, you know, I, I didn't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't thinking of my mind being in that, you know, I, I, I and, Deconstruction, I think, brought that that scripture more beauty mm. and more richness and more depth. Mm. Okay, so this brings another question then. So uh, for all Christians, um, the Bible plays such a central role. It's the main place where we go to mm-hmm. think about God, what he's like and what he likes. So what other passages for you have been made 
more meaningful mm. for having some deconstruction. Wow, man. Yeah, just a deep question. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, everything, everything that I'm reading now, and I'm coming back with a, a different lens. But one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is uh, what Jesus says about uh, his followers being the light of the world mm. and the salt of the earth. Man, that, that's just really been sticking with me lately. And uh, oh, go ahead. I said, why those two images? Um, because um, I, I grew up thinking that to be the light and be the salt meant that I was in control of, you know, police, policing people's ideas, <laughs> mm. um, policing, um, I don't know, righteousness. And instead of blessing people. Mm. And now I've just been thinking about the idea of blessing people with my ideas and my beliefs and my connection and my communion with the Lord, blessing people. And that, I think that's what it means to be the light, to be a blessing. That's what it means to be the salt, to be a blessing to, to creation, to, to non-believers, but also to believers and even to myself, mm -hmm. to be a blessing. And that, that's really been sticking with me. I like that. I think, um, I think the message whenever it talks about the, like the light of the world, salt of the uh -huh. earth, I think he says something to the effect of you bring out the God colors in the world. Mm -hmm. And that just sounds like something you would like mm -hmm. God colors in the world. Yeah. People see those threads where God is working mm -hmm. rather than, so like I grew up with the impression that that passage, especially the light on the world meant we have to be this perfect example in a few specific areas, i.e. we mm. must drink, have sex before marriage, mm -hmm. those kind of things. Yeah. These like superficial boundary markers, which I don't mean to diminish purity. Like I think mm -hmm. there's a great discussion to be had there, but I I don't know. I, I think it cheapens it whenever that's yeah. purely what it's about rather than mm -hmm. it be, you're bringing out the God colors in the world. Like yeah. you're bright and it's attractive. Mm-hmm. More than just being like you fit certain check boxes, but like I want to be around you, mm. bring health and life and thriving to me. That's good. I love that attractive word that you used mm. to to be attractive. Man, how many Christians are not attractive today? Mm. Bearing the the name of Christ, but not attractive, <laughs> and a lack of deconstruction. So a faith that is not deconstructed. And has never been deconstructed. And so you're purely in that pre-deconstruction stage. Let's just call it orientation or mm -hmm. construction. For Christians who spend their entire lives there and they have to constantly monitor and guard against things that are different than what they've already heard, mm -hmm. it's not attractive. Mm -hmm. And then we sit around and we say, I wonder why we're losing our young people. I wonder why people. Yeah. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, people with honest raw questions don't want superficial um baloney that's right i mean they just don't they they want mm -hmm. um well i mean they want i'm not even gonna say they necessarily want answers although they might want a few they want steak <laughs> they want something they can chew on i like that yeah. <laughs> elaborate on that well, I was just thinking about the bologna reference that you just made. You know, bologna is easy to eat. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's not really a sustaining a steak. But uh -huh. something like a steak 
I'm, I'm just you know, using that metaphor, something like a steak, you, you have to chew on it more. Um, maybe there's a certain way you have to cook it um, and it, it's more sustaining. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, I've, I've changed a little bit, a little deconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> it works in multiple spheres, right? That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no, something to chew on. I like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we give pat answers to deep questions. That's right. And simple, um, fluffy answers to deep questions, especially for people in places of pain, confusion. Simple, fluffy answers just aren't going to do. Yeah. Can't just say, well, here's my fluffy answer. And if you don't believe it, you just don't have faith. No. Yeah. Other person has more faith that they're like, no, I'm in this valley. I'm struggling. That answer is ridiculous. Now what? Mm. And I admire those people more than those who seem to always have answers. That's right. That's good. Mm-hmm. So I have just started reading this book here. So do you know, do you read much Brian McLaren? I heard of him. I haven't bought a book yet, but yeah. uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him. Well, a friend sent me this book and this is, you know, I said like a lot of the popular books right now are about deconstruction or something mm-hmm. for that. And a friend of mine sent this book to me. It's called faith after doubt, mm. faith after doubt, why your beliefs stopped working and what to do about it. Mm. And I'm only about 47 pages in, but I got to say, I, I like, I like what McLaren's doing here. Okay. Um, and he, he has a couple of things he says here. I'm, I was just going to re- like read a highlight and get your reaction and then maybe it'll provoke you to read it. Okay. So this is, he has a quote at the beginning of his introduction from Paul Tillich, who's a Catholic theologian. Mm-hmm. And he says this doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Mm. It is an element of faith. Mm. Sometimes I think it is my mission to bring faith to the faithless and doubt to the faithful. Oh, boom. Wow. The first thing I thought about was, um, there's this rapper named Andy Minio. Oh yeah. I'm not sure if you heard of him. Yeah. And one of his songs, I think he went through a period of deconstruction as well. And one of his songs, he said, the, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but it's when I have it all figured out. Mm. And um, I, I, I just heard that in, in that McLaren quote. Mm-hmm. And man, um, that's that's beauty. <laughs> I think that's that's death. Absolutely. You know, I as you said that, I was thinking of um uh the dark night of the soul. Mm. Um in in Christian mystic uh tradition. So mm-hmm. John of the Cross writes about the dark night of the soul and then mm. sometimes you're going to go through a period where it seems like God is absolutely nowhere to be found. And that's not his condemnation to the contrary. It's his grace Mm. because it forces us, provokes us to seek him further. Mm. It forces us to go and search for him rather than get sitting comfy where we're at. Wow. Um, Grace, man, to see struggle as a as grace mm-hmm. yeah oh, man not to just see suffering as grace yeah 
and potentially like i'm not gonna yeah, like yeah. see somebody that's suffering and just be like hey this is god yeah yeah <laughs> whenever people do that you know they're just uh -huh. like oh natural disaster is god directly it's your yeah. yeah yeah but, that could be dangerous but it could be mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't think we can just say it's absolutely not mm -hmm. like i think it could be yeah and he can use those periods of deep dark loneliness to draw us deeper into him in places we wouldn't have gone otherwise. That's right. So St. Teresa of Calcutta. So they found her journals. I think it was after she died. It might've been before, but they, they found her journals and they published them. Mm -hmm. And people were terrified because she had page after page of her saying things like, you know what? I don't even know if you're there anymore. Mm. I don't even know if you're real. Yeah, here she is this like, you know, Mother Teresa, like this beautiful, amazing figure who's so loving and kind, serving the dying in the slums of Calcutta. And then mm -hmm. you read her journal and she's like, yeah, I don't even know if you're there. Uh huh. But then on the other side, she said, now my faith is deeper. Mm. Man. Yeah, but I've said that before too. I, I've said, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're there. Mm. And I don't know what to do about this. Help me. Yes. Help me, right? And I think that is so much more faithful than those who are having doubts but refuse to admit it because they think they're not allowed. Yeah. Um, I think of that passage in the Gospel of Mark where a man is asking for help to, I believe it's his daughter that's going to be healed. And he says, I believe, help me overcome. My uh -huh. mm. I love, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that. Mm. I believe, but also help me to overcome that part of me that doesn't believe. Isn't mm -hmm. it have two parts of you like in the mm -hmm. same? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Okay, so I have a passage of scripture that I think relates to all of this. Okay. So, it is at the very end of Matthew's gospel. Mm -hmm. It's right before the Great Commission. And... Here's what it says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I think we've glossed over that. Mm -hmm. Some of the 11 are at literally the zenith of the spiritual journey. Uh-huh. <laughs> the absolute top of the mountain, literally. And they doubted. Uh-huh. But they're still it, disciples. That's right. And they still receive the Great Commission. Ooh, yes. Yes. From the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so then this brings another question, because a lot of times there's, I think, some nervousness about uh, ministers mm -hmm. 
and any sort of spiritual leader who go through a period of deconstruction. Uh-huh. And the question is, well, how can you lead us to be faithful if you're deconstructing? How can you bring mm. Jesus if you're deconstructing the very faith you're trying to give to others? Mm. Wow. Well, my, my first thought was you can't lead people where you haven't been yourself. Mm. So first of all, man, deconstruction can be grace. You know, that, that period you go through can be grace for others. That, that depth that you experience through that deconstruction make you a better minister and a better leader with more depth to your teaching, more depth to your understanding of the scriptures. Mm. So if anything, I think even even teaching out of that period can be beautiful too. Now, even if you're you're teaching from Psalms that are struggling, or well, well the psalmist is struggling, or when, um, yeah, I, I just think there's there's plenty of room for that. I think you can still serve a congregation and and have that have that deconstruction going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So you're not a heretic who's abandoned the faith. Uh huh. If you want to deconstruct some parts of that faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love how you said it's, it almost adds more depth. I like that. Mm-hmm. You can't lead people to a place you haven't been. And mm-hmm. I, my first thought was that um, at least it's raw and honest. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, there's, if there's anything I despise in this world, it's fake. Where it's like I'm mm-hmm. saying one thing, but I, that's not really what I think. That's not really what I feel. Mm-hmm. Who I am. I hate that. Mm-hmm. And I think more than ever, people today are tired of the fake. That's right. And if it, even if it, they don't even want partially true. They want, I think people want something that's deeply true. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's bigger than ourselves. And struggle maybe even a sacred struggle is true we all do it mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. we admit it or not and mm-hmm. just admit yeah i'm in that place i think it shepherds people's hearts much better than demanding that they just ignore it that's right and uh i just thought about it's very biblical for leaders to struggle <laughs> i'm not sure if you read the bible but you know there's plenty of leaders that struggle right Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, who are you thinking of? I'm thinking of Moses. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of struggle there. Yeah. For such a like prominent leader, he is mm-hmm. not perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or David. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can, we can go. We can go. Yeah. And uh, would you say that maybe Jesus went through his own period of, I don't know if doubt's the right word, but certainly struggle. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, Jesus, we see him in the garden. Yeah. If it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. I mean, that's that's some pretty deep struggle right there. That's, that's right. That's Jesus. Uh-huh. Not just that. I You know, we, we read, about, about, read a lot about Jesus going out uh, to a quiet place to, to pray. 
Mm. And I, I just, you know, we don't have in the text what, what he prayed about or what he thought about, but I imagine he, he had to rely and wrestle maybe even with the Lord or wrestle, wrestle with God mm. while he's trying to, to serve these people that are trying to, to kill him, that are trying to uh, distort his message. Mm. I, I'm sure that there was um, some, some, some deep prayer of uh, wrestling in, in those moments. No, I'm, I'm speculating, but yeah, I, nope. I think there's a possibility there. I think you're onto something. As you said that, like we do have Jesus's words in the gospel of Mark from the cross Mm -hmm. and only Mark's gospel where, and that's, you know, that's another one of my pet peeves with is when people mesh together the sayings of the cross Mm -hmm. and they don't let each gospel author speak from his own unique perspective. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if you, if you just look at Mark and, and ignore the other ones for just a moment and just look at Mark and see the way Mark wrote it, it's horrifying mm. because Mark only has Jesus say one thing from the cross and it's, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> That's the only thing he said yeah. cross in Mark. And that is like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and I mean, I... I think we could call that a prayer he's talking to yeah God. yeah oh the last words of jesus's mouth according to mark are my god my god why have you forsaken me that's right <laughs> a prayer of struggle a prayer of struggle and so you know i'm thinking of i feel like i've read books before or been told stories and sermons of like these great theologians like Calvin or Luther, or whoever, who on their deathbed say these like beautiful statements of faith and theology. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, that's so great. If only we can do that one day. And then you got Jesus on the cross and he's like, yeah, God's nowhere. The end. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wow. completely alone. Uh-huh. Man. I guess I, I didn't. I didn't even myself realize the gravity of that statement from the cross. Yeah. <laughs> Until now. Wow. Yeah. Like, we know he says that, but that is that's a deeply disturbing statement for mm-hmm. Jesus to make. Yeah. And if you don't water down the way Mark tells the story, it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. And then what gets me even more is after that, he's hanging there. He's dead. The the stuff with the temple happens, you know, the curtain tears and all that. And then the centurion's looking at him. This this guy who's gone around teaching the rabbi, and then he says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" And then dies. And the centurion's words are, "Now that's the Son of God." Mm. <laughs> Maybe we have lost the vision of what it means to be faithful. Mm. Like, I think we have to, I, I think we think we have to put on our Sunday best. That's right. Rather than be the Friday worst that we often are. Be human, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, huh. Jesus was human. That's right. <laughs> he was God, but he was human. I mean, he was. That's right. He was just as human as we are Mm -hmm. in all of that struggle and ambiguity and um, doubt and faith sometimes at the same time Mm -hmm. at the same time.
And that's a that's another question that I wanted to ask you about. It seems like those two things can't exist at the same time in one person. Mm-hmm. But I would argue they can. What do you I say? would too. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Uh, I think that tension is is where we should live. <laughs> mm. That tension between, yeah, I trust, but <laughs> you know, I, I think I think that's how we grow. We, we grow within that tension. Mm-hmm. That tension of okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm surrendering, but I'm also questioning. I'm surrendering, but I'm questioning, and it's it's just different different parts, you know, of of my thinking and uh, my, my my ideas and my beliefs have greater maybe uh, I surrender more or there's there's greater questions there, you know. So I, I think that tension is is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not the polar opposites that we've made them to be. Mm-hmm. Mutually enriching. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think we're coming to the end of the deconstruction talk. Okay. 40 minutes. Uh-huh. Wow. We solved the deconstruction crisis. We got it. 40, we got it. It's over. Uh-huh. No more. <laughs> <laughs> no more talk. Mic drop, well, huh? How about this? How about this? What would you say to someone, which, you know, like the only pe- people that basically listen to this podcast on the regular are my mom and dad. So let's just assume somebody finds it. <laughs> yeah. And they're struggling in their faith and they're deconstructing mm. parts of their faith. Mm. What would you say to them? Wow. I, I would say, I think my heart is initially thinking to, to say, trust that the Lord is bringing you somewhere. Mm. Mm. Just, just trust that he's bringing you somewhere. The, the creator of the universe is bringing you somewhere. I, I think I would just say that. Absolutely. I love that. Mm -hmm. I have one last quote and we'll end with that. Okay. What do you say? This is from Frederick Buchner. Buchner? I have no idea. Frederick something. (laughs) It starts the second chapter in McLaren's book. And it says, doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. Mm. That's right. Doubt. I love that. That's awake and moving. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, Wes, thank you for this conversation. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for sharing from your experience. And thank you for all that you are, all that you do. Mm. You're a, you're a blessing to me, and I think anybody who finds this will be blessed. Mm, thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me here. Thanks, Wes. <laughs> I hope that this conversation was a blessing to you. It was certainly a blessing for both Wesley and I to record it and have the conversation in the first place. So if you are in a place of deconstruction in your faith, I would love to get together, grab coffee, and talk about that. I'd love to hear your story. So feel free to reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out. I thought the best place to end this podcast would be with a prayer. 
This prayer comes from Ted Lauder's Gorillas of Grace, Prayers for the Battle. And the prayer is titled, It Would Be Easier to Pray If I Were Clear. I hope that it's a fitting doxology to this podcast. easier for me to pray if I were clear and of a single mind and a pure heart. If I could be done hiding from myself and from you even in my prayers, but I am who I am. Mixture of motives and excuses, blur of memories, quiver of hopes, knot of fear, tangle of confusion, and restless with love for love. I wander somewhere between gratitude and grievance, wonder and routine, high resolve and undone dreams, generous impulses and unpaid bills. Come find me, Lord. Be with me exactly as I am. Help me find me, Lord. Help me accept what I am so I can begin to be yours. Make of me something small enough to snuggle, young enough to question, simple enough to giggle, old enough to forget, foolish enough to act for peace, skeptical enough to doubt the sufficiency of anything but you, and attentive enough to listen as you call me out of the tomb of my timidity into the chauncey glory of my possibilities and the power of your presence. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txtandcontxt.com. It's text and context without E's in it. So again, that's txtandcontxt.com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.